it was like I went from feeling so much pain to so much peace almost immediately when I realized there was nothing I could do and I had to surrender. And that was the first time I ever felt surrender so strongly. That was the first time I really felt surrender in my body. And it was um, such an intense and beautiful and magical experience. And that was when my soul like fully left my body. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to another episode of Bad Witches Only. I am your host, Ali Schlenner, and I am so happy that you are here, that we are here together. And if you don't know who I am, I am a self-love and empowerment coach, an energy healer, breathwork facilitator, and a 500-hour yoga teacher. And on this podcast, we talk about all things self-development, unconditional love, and connecting to our highest self. And this series, the Life Lesson series, holy shit, is this over yet? <laughs> I started this Life Lesson series and I was like, this is gonna be wonderful. I'm just gonna share all my stories. It's gonna be great. And to be honest, as we have gone on in time, I'm like, holy shit, I feel like a naked, obviously. I mean, I'm more than happy to share with you all of my stories. And also I find that in the past, I've always shared this while balancing teachings. And in these lessons, of course, of course, the main meat of it is, um, is the lesson that comes through the story and also going through the stories. I am feeling like a very, very naked baby angel and it's been intense on my nervous system and quite unexpected to be honest, because I love to talk about life and share my story and connect with people on a heart centered basis. And also it's quite intense to share so many life-changing things back to back to back to back to back with the focus being on the story and allowing the lesson to come through the story as opposed to just focusing on teachings and sitting in my seat as um with my heart cracked open in front of you guys, as opposed to sitting in the seat and sharing the, um, like what it is that I've learned along this journey as a teacher, as somebody who is sharing a, from a more intellectual and channeled point of view, this is much more emotional for me. And it feels so very different. I mean, y'all know this, but I have like a million planets in if you've been listening to these episodes for a long time, you know this, but I have a million planets in Capricorn. And as something that is pretty <laughs> typical for Capricorn energy is that or Capricornian energy is that emotions are inconvenient because we are all about like getting shit done and um, like moving through life strategically and emotions take you out of that strategy, right? Because <laughs> the mental body and the emotional body are two very separate uh, energies. And when we're navigating from the emotional body, it is 
um, it almost in my mind, it feels polarized from our uh, mental functioning. It's like one or the other. It's the le- it's the right brain or the left brain. So it's our um, lunar essence versus our solar essence. And to be in touch with the emotional body and to lead from that space for me is new especially when it comes to the podcast. I mean, you guys know that I channel and that is of course connected to my intuition and opening from that space. But to do that while I'm talking about such deep traumas and to feel in my body, the physiological reaction that I'm moving through, it is a whole new experience. And to do this every week, I mean, I missed an I missed a week. I had to miss a week because my body was like, what are you doing? And also like sharing sexy pictures of myself online simultaneously. And it's just been such a beautiful and interesting series because I'm also doing such deep work in connection to my to my understanding of what sexuality is to me and what it feels like in my body to deepen into my sensual expression and the difference between sensuality and sexuality and the deep healing work that's happening in my sacral chakra in respect to both sex and money in my personal life. And to share these stories that are held in my sacral, which is in this moment with the healing work that I am doing feels like it's being, I don't want to say ripped out, (laughs) but totally. um, Yeah. I mean, I feel like my sacral, I'm holding it in my hands in this moment. Like it's not in my sacral chakra. So if you're unfamiliar with the energy centers, this is like right below your belly button. It's one of the seven main chakras and it rules um, manifestation, creation. It rules reciprocity. It rules sexuality, sensuality, um, our sense of balance between our lunar and our solar essence within us. It rules reproduction. And it also is where we begin to individuate from our tribe and from society and where we can hold a whole lot of personal trauma, especially sexual trauma, physical trauma, trauma that we be we experienced from the ages of three to seven. And um anything since then that was an attack on who you are as an individual. And when you begin to feel unsafe as an individual, not from the identity of you in your family system, but as who you are as a, um, as, as your personality, as your personal, uh, personality and character begins to develop, it is the attack on that. So the sacral in my body at the moment, it feels like this energy center is just literally open like so open that my sacral is is in my hands and it's like bleeding everywhere and I'm just like holding it looking at it I'm just constantly like looking at it as it bleeds and trying to not feel the urge to put it back together immediately and it feels naked and open and exposed and like bloody but magical at the same time and it's not 
dead, but it's actually like coming back to life through the blood. I don't know. Okay. This visual is getting really intense. I'm so sorry. You guys didn't sign up for like gore fest 101, but here we are. We're getting wild and gory, but it's like, it feels like there is blood coming to this area because blood is, uh, is also in connection to the chi of our body. It is the energy that flows within us. And as I bleed, I am restoring my balance of chi. And it's not like I'm just bleeding out, but I'm just bleeding into this area. And that means that there's a concentration of energy in this space that is being brought so much love. Blood, chi, and blood and chi and my mind and my understanding are the equivalent of love. And that is a really, really magical thing to think about is just like, I have this energy center where there's this, all this blood rushing and, um, and it it is being revitalized in the process and it's bleeding a lot. There's a lot of blood happening and yet I'm not, um, scared by any of the openness or vulnerability, but it does feel extremely raw. It feels raw and vulnerable and foreign and overwhelming. And this life lesson series has been a huge um, teacher for me about how I process as I share some of these things back to back to back to back to back, because I I was expecting it to be easy. <laughs> like 100 million percent. I was like, this is going to be the easiest podcast series ever. I'm just going to talk about my life experiences. It's going to be great. And there's been so much resistance that's come up along the way where I'm like, holy shit, it's not that easy. And it's easier to have the main focus be on the teachings from an intellectual perspective than it is to have the meat of this series beyond what it is that I have experienced as an individual and to share from the emotional perspective. So thank you so much for tuning in and being here and supporting me through this. And thank you so much for all of the loving words that so many of you have sent me. My last episode, I have received more love um, than anything I've ever released out into the world before. And to know that y'all are listening with an open heart and receiving me and that these words are resonating on any level with you and affecting you in the way that you're processing your own shit, like it in a, in a positive way or a way that is unlocking something within you in the next level of your healing. Holy shit. What a blessing it is to be on this journey and how extremely humbling it is to know that my words or my experiences have contributed to your healing in any way, shape, or form. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for for listening um, to these words while being in touch with your own truth and to continue to breathe as you listen and like really be present in your own body because that's something I've guided throughout this experience as well throughout the series. And I know if you've been with me along this journey, that that has been a, a process for you as well, because you can't listen to these words and you can't hear me cry and you can't fully be present with this experience without 
feeling some sort of activation in your body. So to have the courage to sit there and listen to me and hear my stories, it's so brave. And I am um, so blessed to be able to share these words with you and to share these experiences, no matter how painful they have been. Um, because we all experience pain and suffering in our own way. And that pain and suffering is our, can be our greatest teacher. And for me, it has been. And for me, this journey hasn't been easy. And that's okay. And that's okay because I've learned so much from it. And these are lessons that I will never forget because I thought they were going to break me. Because I thought they were going to be the end of of my life in this experience. Um, But in a way, they were the end of that version of myself. Because when you go through shit like this, you can't come out to the other side being the same version that you once were. And that's something I love so much about myself in this moment is that I have chosen to allow myself to die and be reborn with each and every experience without gripping to who I once was, but with the simple acknowledgement that I am safe to change and evolve and that within itself is extremely powerful because it's hard to let go. It is not easy to let go of who we once were and how we once viewed the world and how we once showed up in the world because when we change, everything around us changes. The way that people interact with us changes. The way that we are viewed, of course, changes. The way that we interact with the world changes. And inevitably, our relationships need to evolve or they have to go. And that process is, it's, it's heartbreaking and it's everything. It's everything to allow yourself to be so fully yourself that you give yourself the permission to show up differently. And you give yourself the permission to allow your relationships to change as you do. And you allow yourself to let go of the relationships that are no longer serving this version of who you are. And you are safe to do that because we are not meant to stay the same. And you are deserving of receiving love with each and every phase of your development. And I promise you there is love out there that is waiting for you. And I promise that there are people out there that are waiting for the you that you are in this moment and the you that you were yesterday and the you that you will be tomorrow. And trust that those people might not be the same to receive you and to love you and to value you as you are in this moment, as they were before and after, but trust that you are deserving of love regardless of who those people are that are meant to love you. And that is a part of the magic of this evolution. And through this experience that I'll talk to you about today, this was the end of many of my friendships. This was like the absolute last straw for some old friends in my life. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was the greatest blessing in my life. 
because it totally, well, it broke me. (laughs) It broke me at the time. I mean, I'll get into the story as I go potentially, but it opened me up to create the space in my life to welcome in people who could love me at this, at the next version of me. Because after moving through this near-death experience, I was not the person I was before. And there was some time in between where I was um, really lost and confused and broken. And when you are in that place and your friends choose to not love you anymore, that is a great indication that that love is not unconditional. And there's a difference between walking out of somebody's life and guiding them back to themselves when you know they are astray. And I knew I was astray and I'm, and I also understand in this moment of my life, what it means to be a good friend. And that means not running away when things are hard, but that means having complete and, and full, like trust in your friends and loving them so deeply in whatever stage that they're in, no matter how broken they are, but trusting them that there is something inside of them that is stronger and more beautiful than what they may be expressing in this moment if they're going through a hard time and loving them enough to not give up on them but but acknowledging like i see the good in you and i trust that no matter where you are in this moment that the true person the true ally is there on the other side and i'll be there with you along this journey and i and you don't have to support your friends in everything that you do, but being a good friend means unconditional love and acceptance and acknowledgement that not every phase of life is going to be fucking rainbows and sunshine. It's not. I am not always going to be my best self. I have not always been my best self. And no matter what, I am deserving of love. And I am so fucking blessed that in the same moment where I had friends that walked out of my life, that I was shown the definition of unconditional love by so many people in my life, by so many people in my life, even when I couldn't do that for myself. I met friends that absolutely transformed my fucking life. And and they were new friends and old friends, but old friendships were evolving into something completely new. And new friends were teaching me, giving me the framework of what a friendship built an unconditional love looked like. And I'm going to shout out right now to Morgan, to Camille, to um, Gabby, to Megan, to my family. um, And who else? I know... I I know I'm missing people. (laughs) I know I'm missing people. But those are the people that are coming through in this moment because Morgan and Camille, I met these angels, absolute fucking angels when I was studying abroad in Santiago, Chile. And 
they were the first people that I ever told when I um was it when I went through sexual assault. They were the first people who I told the story and they just listened to me without looking like looking at me like I was broken. And they asked questions and they were present. Camille didn't say much, but she was there with un with unconditional love. And I felt that so deeply. And so many of my friends did, but a lot of people, when you go to somebody with these stories, um, and you've known them for a long time, there is their heart breaks with you, and you can see that and feel that in their eyes. But these were the first people who I told the story, and they were just they didn't look at me differently. And that changed my fucking life to have somebody who could hear me without looking at me differently because I didn't have to be who I had always been. And and moving through this near death experience that I went through, the people that I named and many more were there for me after that, when I knew I was not the best version of myself, when I was mourning and grieving and I got myself into a shitty relationship and I was drinking a lot and I, I was overusing drugs and alcohol and um, I was using them to cope. And I couldn't be in my body and my body was having all of these physical uh, reactions to the near-death experience, which I will explain moving forward. But these people, they never judged me. And I cannot even begin to explain how powerful it is to not to have friendships that are not founded in judgment and competition. And Morgs, I'm going to shout you out a little extra in this moment because you are the person who I went to throughout so many things, so many health things that I had gone through in Mexico and that I felt so much shame around. And I went to you because I knew you never judged me and I knew you just loved me. And the love that you showed me in this friendship, it was different than anything I've ever felt in my life. And I felt so safe with you. And I felt so safe to tell you everything that I was moving through. And I knew that you would like receive me with love. And Morgs is the person who I texted, um, who I FaceTimed with when I was like really at the, in the dumps with this paralysis situation. And I told her, I said, if you don't hear from me in X amount of time, I need you to call my mom and tell her like what was happening because I was so afraid to talk to my mom. And, and uh, uh, when you have these friends, it just changes your entire life because I felt so safe to just be where I was and to be messy and to be fucked up. And I was so fucked up at that time was actually like, I was actually paralyzed. And to know that Morgs would take care of it, I was like, this is amazing. Thank you. And anywho, um, I am just so extremely grateful for the people in my life and how much they've changed my life. And moving through this experience um, created more space for more people like that. And it... Um, invited in the opportunity for the people who were judging me to get the fuck out. And they did. 
and that is extremely magical and divine, even though at the time I felt like, what's wrong with me? Why don't these people love me? What did I do when I had just gone through a near-death experience? My world was shattered. I was fucked up. My legs weren't working like for about a year after the experience. And, and I felt abandoned. And I felt like there was this story um, of me going through hardships and people walking away because I had always been somebody who was perfect. I mean, like bullshit, Allie. <laughs> I had never been perfect, but I had been a perfectionist and I didn't allow myself to be messy ever. I always felt like I needed to have things together for everybody else. And um, that was like from that was something that I asserted inside of myself from the time I was a child. Like I was the person who would hold my sister's hand when she would go get a shot. And I just took on this role of being the person who was here to comfort everybody else and make everybody else feel better. But I didn't ever give myself the permission to feel emotions. And when I did go through deep shit, I judged myself so hard. And when I let people in, they ran away. And that is also connected to the fractured version, the fractured relationship I had with myself because I didn't ever allow my, I didn't love myself unconditionally. So I didn't choose people who had the capacity to love me and unconditionally because they didn't love themselves unconditionally. And my, I talked about this in the sexual assault episode, but the person who I went to after that experience and the only person who I really wanted comfort from could not support me through that because my shit was too much for him. And then I go through this thing in, um, in Mexico where I almost die. And then I turn into a fucking train wreck, but my shit was too much because when I did feel the emotions, they were too much for the people in my life or for some of the people in my life, not everybody. I would say it was about like 30% of the friends I had um, who happened to just be best friends with each other. So it was a group decision to be like, Allie's, I don't know. I don't know. We were kids. We were fucking kids. And I was literally a train wreck. So, <laughs> but, um, it felt like a trend in my life where I would go through shit and it was too much for people. And it, and it created this spiral of like guilt and shame when I would allow myself to feel emotions because I felt like I was scaring people away. And I felt like I was unlovable to be in my feelings and to be moving through trauma. And it made me want to avoid, 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 avoid my emotions. And then that leads to wanting to drown in drugs and alcohol. And that leads to poor decision-making, emotionally abusive relationship, and the spiral of unworthiness um, until you begin to accept those beliefs as your own. And you choose people who tell you that you're unworthy. And that was my reality for this chapter of my story. 
And I will now begin um, to share a little bit about my story with the near-death experience and what I moved through in terms of the uh, details. But before doing that, let's all just take a deep breath into our lower belly, in through the nose. Exhale through the nose. Deep breath into the solar plexus. Exhaling through the nose. Deep breath in all the way to the collarbones. Exhale. Beautiful. Alrighty, my loves. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing this time together. I appreciate you and your presence and your love with my whole entire heart. So I've moved through this thing called a near-death experience um, in 2016 when I had just graduated from college in May from Loyola University, Maryland. And immediately after college, I moved to Oaxaca City and I had begun working at a um wasn't necessarily an orphanage, but it was an organization for vulnerable children. Uh, and I was teaching English there. And um, it was similar to an orphanage. But what I was doing, I was teaching English and I was translating letters from um, Spanish to English and English to Spanish for the kiddos to their sponsors. And um it was a really like beautiful and intense experience. And it was something that I had raised money for to be able to go and do this. And I was so proud of myself for, you know, like creating the circumstances in my life to gift me the opportunity to work with kids in this way. Cause if you know me, you know, I absolutely love children. Um, with my whole heart. And I love speaking Spanish and I love Latin culture. I love Mexican culture. I love like, I love everything about Mexico. I mean, I live there now and this opportunity was so beautiful. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard to put into words the gratitude that I have for all the people that supported me along this journey. And so I raised money for this organization um, because, which, <laughs> interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about this in this moment, reflecting on this. It's been a long time since I reflected on this fact that I paid money to go and volunteer. Uh, so anywho, I paid money to go volunteer, raised the money to do it, paid the organization, done. Um, and at this point, I just graduated from college. I was like, pretty broke. I mean, I worked a very, very occasionally, um, and in college at a restaurant, but like I could not sustain it. I was a, I was a biopsych major with a Spanish minor and like between labs and coursework and all that, I was not doing very well working at a restaurant. Um, like as many hours as I was. So anywho, I was slightly broke. Um, but my, 
family was supporting me at this time as well. So thank you, fam. I love you guys. You're so supportive. Um, and like, yeah, no words to explain my gratitude. Uh, so anywho, I'm in Mexico feeling, well, at this point I wasn't, uh, at, how do I start this story? <laughs> Am I doing well, guys? Am I podcasting really well right now? Telling my fucking story as I begin to get into the details. I'm starting to have like panic attack. I'm sitting, not really. I'm not really having a panic attack. That was dramatic and I shouldn't joke about that. But um, I just am starting to feel the physiological sensations of anxiety in my body. Uh, and yeah, that's just the reality of what I'm feeling in this moment. So I arrive in Mexico. I begin working at um this with this organization. And I I think I was, I don't remember how many weeks in I was, but it was many weeks or months, a few months, maybe. And um I had I was in Oaxaca City. Um, I got the Zika virus got bit by a mosquito and I got the Zika virus. And after that, it was like my health just went fucking downhill big time, really fast. The Zika virus came and then I had um, a gastrointestinal infection because my immune system was compromised. And um, with that, uh, the doctor gave me medication for nausea that had a side effect of paralysis. And well, before this, I actually want to share the story on this podcast episode, which I haven't talked about or shared publicly, I don't think ever, because I had so much shame surrounding it. But like, one month before that, yeah, so I had to be in Oaxaca for a, f a, f a few months before this happened. Um, one month before that, I had, I left a tampon in and I had toxic shock. And um, like I had tingling in my hands and in my feet, in my extremities, and I was all fucked up. Um, like I couldn't think straight. I felt like I was going crazy. I felt like I was losing my mind. I couldn't really feel my body. I couldn't really feel my, um, legs. And I was getting really, really, really freaked out. Um, but I was also, um, I didn't know that I had the tampon in and, um, I did some sexual things with it in. And, um, it ended up like, sorry, this is a lot of information for you guys, but I had so much shame surrounding this. So I've literally never talked about this, but I had the tampon in, I had sex with it in. Um, and then it like fell out two days later and I started, this was like right after I started having all these symptoms and I, I, was really unwell with the situation. I called Morgan and I was like, Morgs, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I fucking did this. And I don't even, I don't think I've told like my family. I don't think anybody knows the story because I, I haven't really thought about it since then. Um, 
but I went to the doctor. I walked to a doctor in Oaxaca city. And, um, I, when I arrived there, I fucking passed out almost immediately into the nurse's arms. And, um, the doctor saw me and everything was in Spanish. And at this point I didn't really speak Spanish very well. And, but he kept telling me, you could have died. You could have died. You could have died. You could have died. And I was like, oh my God, I could have died. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Like I'm unwell in this moment. So anywho, recover from that. A month later, I get the Zika virus. And then, but that was like the imprint in my body. Like I had numbness on, from my, on all my legs, on my arms, especially in my toes and in my hands. And my brain was not doing very well. Uh, yeah. And then Zika virus comes along, gastrointestinal infection comes along. I take this stupid medication for nausea that's not legal in the US because of the side effect of paralysis. And I end up like paralyzing myself basically with this medication. Um, the gastrointestinal infection starts to feel better for about like three days. And then I go through barely three days, maybe like two days. And then I wake up one morning, I'm doing yoga on the roof of my beautiful little cottage that I was living in, in, um, Oaxaca city. And my face starts to feel really weird, just like numb as fuck. And so I start feeling like, oh, is my, this is my first reaction. You guys are like, oh, is my skin really dry? Like, let me go wash my face and put, um, lotion on my face because it's feeling just like dry and weird and stuck. It was feeling stuck. And I was like, this is really weird. Um, so I go and do that. And then I realize that I look in the mirror and I'm like, wait, my face is fucked up. What's going on? So I go to a clinic about three hours later. I tried to like meditate, do yoga, do all these things. Like nothing was helping, obviously. And I go after that to the clinic and the lady was like, oh, you're fine. I'm going to give you the shot in the ass. And I was like, okay, great. And then I get the shot in the ass. I'm feeling okay for about a half hour. I walked to my favorite coffee shop at the time. Um, and it's actually called like the, co- the witch coffee shop, Cafe La Bruja. I think it's Bruja. I think it is. But if you're ever in Oaxaca, go to that coffee shop. It's fucking delicious. Um, and I went to the coffee shop. I st- was like reading my book or whatever. And I start walking home from the coffee shop because I'm starting to feel this thing in my face again. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm walking home from the coffee shop and one side of my body just like totally shrinks up. I honestly don't remember which side it was. Um, it was either the left side or the right side, but over the years I have forgotten which side it was. I feel like it was the left side. Um, I'm almost positive it was the left side, but I don't want to lie about any of these details. So one side of my body starts to like contract up and, um, as in my knee bends and I'm swaying my hips back and forth as I'm walking because I can't straighten my left leg. My right arm starts to like shrink up um, next to my like 
uh, as if my wrist is kind of glued to my left chest or whatever chest. And I like the entire side of my body starts to contract and it's like squeezing. There's so much tension. I'm in so much physical pain, but also I can't move. I'm stuck. My face is twisting. Um, and my jaw is like locked shut. And I'm trying to walk back to the clinic that I had gone to that was at the bottom of the hill, which I lived on. And my hips are swaying from side to side. And I can I can barely walk at this point. And my brain is just going fucking wild. Like, what the fuck is happening to me? What the fuck is happening to me? What the fuck is happening to me? I can barely speak because my jaw is closed. So I got into a taxi um, had him bring me to the doctors and the lady there, it was the same doctor. And, um, actually, no, it was a new doctor and she told me, but I'm waiting out in the waiting room outside of the doctor. There's like three chairs outside of this clinic. And one of the kids passed by that I was teaching English to. And her name was Carmen and she walks by with her grandmother and I was hysterically crying. I was a mess. I was an absolute disaster. Um, And she saw me and her grandmother came and sat with me alongside of her and Carmen is holding my hand and she said, don't worry, Tia, which is aunt, like, don't worry, Tia. All of this is in Spanish. Like one day you're going to change the world. And these words just like lived so deeply in my heart for this entire experience to come. Like this angel human who I had such a beautiful connection with. This was my favorite student. You're not supposed to have favorites, but she was my fucking favorite student. And she was 13 and she was so sweet. And, um, She said, don't worry, Tia, one day you're going to change the world. And I just allowed those words to play on repeat with me after they left. And I was so, I was so scared, but they were so comforting and so loving. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm really sick. And um, she was like, that's okay. Just the grandmother was like, you just need to take care of yourself. Like whatever you need, you need to do that. Stop worrying so much about all the things you had to do because I was so stressed that I hadn't been to the school in three days because I had been sick and da 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 with a gastrointestinal infection, whatever. And the grandmother was like, you just need to take care of yourself. Like the kids are fine. The kids, the kids love you, but they can't, like they need you to be okay. And I was like, oh, thank God this grandmother exists, you know? And then I went in to see the doctor and the doctor in Spanish, as all of these interactions are happening in Spanish, she was telling me that I was paralyzed. And I was like, I understand, but I don't fucking understand. Like, why am I paralyzed? I just, it is not making sense to me why I am paralyzed. I don't know what is happening with my body or why this is happening. Keep in mind, I had a brother or I ha- uh, who passed away a few days ago, a few years ago, but I had a brother who had muscular dystrophy, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. So his my entire life he was paralyzed. So when they were telling me that I was paralyzed, I was like, this isn't going to go away. I I'm never going to be able to walk again. I'm never going to be okay. Why is this happening? What is what the fuck is happening? And my brain was absolutely 
insane. It was driving me crazy. This was before I found like mindfulness or self-development. I was still like in the spiral of um, what is life and how do I cope with this shit? I did not have any tools to cope with this shit. I just started yoga and, um, but life was so fucking different then. And the way I handled life, the way I moved through life was so different in that moment. And uh, my, oh, my Lanta, but she just wrote down paralysis and she kept saying paralysis, paralysis, paralysis. And I was like, I hear you, but I don't understand. And so she gave me a shot of B12 in my ass and she's like, you'll be okay. You need to go back to your house and take a hot compress on your face and smush your face back together. Like put a cold, put a cloth in um, warm water and smush your face back to it's the normal side. And she was like, don't stress because stress is going to make the paralysis much worse. And I was like, what? I live alone. Um, (laughs) I live alone. And what do you mean that stress is going to make it worse? So at this point, I go back to my apartment. I The B12 made it better for like five minutes not really, maybe like maybe like half hour. And I'm smushing my face back together with the hot compress. She gave me her WhatsApp number. We're texting me and this doctor. And then I FaceTime Morgan. And I I like couldn't lay flat on the couch because I was so contracted on this side of my body that the only thing that was really touching the couch at that point was like the crown of my head because it was as if my head was being pulled back and like one of my shoulders and my hips. I was all fucked up. Like my body was not working. It was not, my body was not okay. And I FaceTime Morgan and Morgan's face, Morgs, I hope it's okay that I'm talking about you in this episode. Morgan's face told me, I'll, I'll double check but I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, Morgan's face looked at me like, uh, like what the fuck is going on? And I saw her face and I knew I had to go immediately to a doctor. So I saw her face and that said it all. Um, And I walked out of the house and, um, there's so many different parts and layers of this story. Holy shit. So the, yeah, I go out of the house and, um, uh, I like can barely walk. Yeah. And I am like, my house was up in the hills outside of Oaxaca city, just a little bit. And it's super secluded, but, um, yeah, this is, a uh, an experience for me to share the story. Um, but I end up leaving the house, walking out and I fell down walking from my house to why is this so hard? Universe help. Universe, can you guide me 
in this moment and give me all the strength I need to be able to share the bits and pieces of this story in a way that is most true to what happened and to the experience in its entirety. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So I end up walking out and I fell down. Um, and this was probably, I don't know, uh, an hour after the first clinic experience, the, the second clinic experience of the day. And so I um, walk out, I fall down. And I'm like, it's, it's sunset at this point It's getting dark. And I'm literally like sitting in a pool of my own tears, praying to God that somebody finds me. The amount of pain I felt in my body in that moment, I, it's hard to explain. Um, it was like, there was so, 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 so much tension and it, w- it was on the left side of my body. I can say that with confidence as it's coming back to me. Um, the amount of tension and pain on the left side of my body is, it's inexplainable. And I was lying there and I was trying to crawl to get to the bottom of the hill, to the clinic. And it was a dirt road and it was dark and I hadn't seen any cars going by. I was just laying there literally like face down in the dirt, in the rocks, the stones. And about 45 minutes pass. And in that time, I mean, it could have been 15 minutes. It could have been two hours. I don't, I don't know. But in that period of time I was in a pool of my own tears and something shifted inside of me where I completely relaxed as well it was like I went from feeling so much pain to so much peace almost immediately when I realized there was nothing I could do and I had to surrender And that was the first time I ever felt surrender so strongly. That was the first time I really felt surrender in my body. And it was um, such an intense and beautiful and magical experience. And that was when my soul like fully left my body. And it was floating above me. And I was looking down from up above at my physical body. And it was like, it was so, the energy was so light. I I wouldn't say, I, I didn't like see lights, but the energy was so light. And I saw my soul being pulled from my body, like from my chest. And I picture like a beautiful dancer with the chest leading as if there was a string attached to my heart. And I was just like a puppet um, 
a very graceful dancer puppet being pulled from my my heart to the heavens and i rose very like i don't know how just gracefully up into the heavens from my my heart space and i picture like a minimalist stick figure uh <laughs> um dancer and it was just my soul essence and it like the outline was in gold and i was all gold and as i was rising i found i saw my brother and my brother came to me and he was still alive at this time but his soul like danced with mine and held mine and we just twirled around as if there was some energetic force that was circling around us and in bringing our souls together and then i felt my uncle come and my uncle's presence was more of just like pure love and support and um and my uncle died like 5 days after i was raped and i would go to his grave and i would talk to him and because i felt like he was the only one who wouldn't look at me differently after that happened so i would always talk to my uncle when i felt like i was alone um and i felt like nobody could understand or i didn't want to let anybody in like he was the one who i knew could really see me cuz he was in heaven and so i would talk to my uncle in those moments where i was really really low um and so my uncle was there and like i saw him like i saw his face and he he was just there to hold me and my brother his soul was intertwined with mine and we were just dancing and my brother was paralyzed his whole life you know or my whole life from the age of like 6 um so when he started falling but to see our souls dance in that moment when we were both paralyzed it was like it was just so powerful and there was so much love and so much peace in my physical body in that moment and the only part of me that i was really really in touch with was my heart in that space it was like my heart was just exploding um and it was so light and so open and it was like there was this giant um then there was this giant light beam attached to my heart that just like cracked me open and at the same time that i saw the the light on my heart and i swear we slowed down in our dancing and i looked down and i saw there was an older woman that was like patting my head rubbing my hair and uh she was calling me her child it's like daughter miha 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 and trying to bring me back and and she just sat with me for a moment and i couldn't say anything because my the paralysis started in my face 
So uh, that was like totally locked. I could mumble a little, but I couldn't open my mouth. Never mind, like speak in Spanish. So she then told me, which I find funny now. She said, Don't leave. Don't go anywhere. I'm, we're going to go. We're going to be right back. And she left with her husband. They had a car. It was a little red car, a little red uh, sedan. And they left and they went and they got their son and their son put me in the car and they brought me to the doctors. And uh, there was another like detail as well, where this was not the last time I went to the doctors. I ended up like going to the doctors this time and then going back to my house. And there were two ladies um, who were friends of my landlords who were staying at the house. So when I went back, I knew they would be there. And then they ended up taking me back to the hospital. So I'm going to jump in the story to the time when they took me back to the hospital because the third time that I went to the hospital right before that, they gave me another shot in my ass and they told me I would be fine. And I was okay for a short period of time once again. And then the ladies at the house were like, no, you need to go to a private hospital and get this taken, like fully taken care of. So they literally carried me um, when I got back to the house to the private hospital and like, thank God, because they like they could speak English there. But when I got to the hospital, um, it was like there was this giant room full of a million patients where there were tables and um, curtains separating all of the patients that were just in a, in a row. So I was in the middle of, I don't know, there were probably 30 to 40 beds and all full pretty much. Um, and I couldn't speak. I could not speak. And this whole time, I didn't ever once try to use my phone for any reason because I was like, I don't have data in this country. I can't use my phone. I would just keep my phone on airplane mode. And not one part of me was like, turn your phone off of an airplane mode and fucking call somebody to help you. <laughs> like not one part of me ever thought that. It was just like, deal with this you're on, your, on your own. Like you can do this. You can walk there when you can't walk there. After my soul literally left my body and I was like, I'm going to be fine. So um, I, I, we go back to the hospital. They take me back to the hospital and the i couldn't lay flat on the table because at this point like the paralysis was the worst it had been all day um because i was so stressed and on the table i laid with the crown of my head touching cuz my head was being like drawn backwards um and my shoulder my left my left shoulder my left hip and the entire left side of my body was crunched up so much that i like even my hands were crunched and it, i was in so much pain um and the doctors were asking me like what what happened and i was like i have no fucking idea um, but I couldn't speak to them and they didn't know that I spoke Spanish. So where they were literally running around me. They closed the curtain. They left me there. I was hysterically crying. Um, 
they closed the curtain and they were just talking about how this gringa is going to die before we find out what's wrong with her and before we know how to like get get in touch who she belongs to i didn't have my id i had nothing on me they were just like she's gonna die and we don't know anything about her basically um and they just kept saying she's gonna die she's gonna die she's gonna die um and they it was like fucking horrible and i spoke spanish they were speaking in spanish they didn't think that i spoke spanish but i did speak spanish and everyone was fucking panicked um so yeah and then from there the story goes up it gets better from here they thought i was bit by a bat uh so they treated me they gave me medicine for that and i was not bit by a bat obviously um and i had and some sort of an allergic reaction to the medication that they gave me for the bat bite and i went into like shock um and i i couldn't breathe and what's it called anaphylactic shock and i couldn't breathe and um so they treated me for the allergic reaction to like flush my system basically and when they did that the medication that i had taken that caused the paralysis was like diluted enough or um, I don't, I honestly don't know how any of this worked. I never looked into it because I was like, whatever, I'm okay. Um, and I just couldn't go there. And I was like, I just don't even want to fucking know how I got better. Um, but basically they treated me for the allergic reaction and it ended up, um, also treating the medication that was causing the paralysis and that began to, um, like the symptoms began to dissipate and the tension in my body began to dissipate, but it took fucking, uh, I don't know, I think like eight to 12 hours for all of this s- stuff to s- happen. And basically the, my symptoms started getting better in about, a yeah around that time like probably 12 hours after arriving in the hospital and it was very very slow like the paralysis was left me very 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 slowly and i still felt so much pain in my body so yeah it was fucking intense and then um I ended up using one of the girl's phones to text my sister to tell her that I was okay, to tell mom that I was okay because it was just like I, I hadn't I hadn't been answering my mother's text messages um or calls for many days as I was moving through this. And I told Morgan, I was like, if you don't hear from me and this by this time you need to call my mother. So Morgs was ready to take action, but then I um but Morgan did end up reaching out to my mom uh, at the same exact time when I reached out to my sister and everything was okay after that, but it took me a long time to recover. And I had side effects on the left side of my body for like nine months and I couldn't walk right. There were times when my leg would just give out. I think it was happening on both sides. I don't remember. But my legs would just completely give out. 
and I wasn't able to walk or stand. Um, I would be doing yoga and my legs would just go completely, completely numb. And I would like fall to the ground. I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I'd go, I went to my doctor here and I went to the emergency room multiple times and they were just like, you're fine. And my arm would go numb. Um, I would have random like pains and a lot of brain fog and just, I, I was not okay. And the doctors would run all these tests and they would be like, you're fine. Um, so that was what ignited the fire within me to begin really my journey to integrative medicine because I wasn't going to let myself just fucking die. Like I felt I was so afraid to be in my body. I was absolutely terrified to live and in this body because I felt like it was gonna um it was gonna come back. Like I felt like it was gonna kill me. I was I had no idea. I had no control. This was the first time when I had literally no control over any symptoms. Um, that I was feeling inside of me. And I was so fucking afraid that I was going to die if I didn't learn how to communicate with my body. If I didn't learn the the language that it spoke to me, if I didn't learn how to listen to the whispers of what it was telling me because I was so disassociated from it for so long. And before that, I went through a phase of just like blacking out and doing weed brownies and like being in this shitty relationship. And that lasted about six months because after this experience in Oaxaca City, I ended up moving to Puerto Escondido where I live now um, because I had no money. Like I spent all of the money that I had on medical bills. And um, that was a part of like why some of my friends disowned me because they were like, you saved all this money for this organization. I was like, I gave all the money that I saved to the organization. All the personal money I had, I spent on medical bills. And a friend of mine, I had just moved her to Puerto. I helped her move there with her dog and her cat. Um, And she said that I could come live with her for free. And I was like, okay. I also was fucking terrified to live alone. So I did that and I left the organization. I mean, they kept the money, but like I I left the organization and I started like working with kids in Puerto, but it's, it's irrelevant. Like I just, there was so much judgment for, oh, you said you're going to do this and you're not doing it. And, um, you're unreliable. And I mean, I was when I was in Puerto smoking weed. I smoked weed for the first time right after that because I didn't know what to do with my body. I was having like numbness in the entire side of my body and I was in so much physical pain. I was like, maybe this will help because nothing else was helping. So I started smoking weed for the first time I was 22 years old um, and it was like the culture there to just smoke weed all the time. So I was smoking weed, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was helping my physicality, but I was just in a completely different place emotionally, mentally than I've ever been in my life. It was like I died 
something very, very deep inside of me died. And it took a very long time for me to embody the rebirthed version of myself because I was just walking around numb. I didn't want to feel anything that I had went through. I didn't want to feel jack shit. I just wanted to survive. And eventually after I broke up, after I came back home to the States, um, after I broke up with that boyfriend, we had been saving up to travel. And I mean, I had been saving up to travel. Like that's just the reality of the situation. And so I took the money that I had been saving and I went to travel on my own, but it took leaving an abusive late an emotionally abusive relationship and leaving a toxic job situation um, at a restaurant to be like, no, I'm not fucking doing this. It's like, I can't live like this. And my life changed in that moment. And that was the first time I traveled for me without thinking I needed to, you know, like do all of this volunteer work and without thinking I had to do anything aside from learn about myself. And that's what I did for eight months. And it was like the best eight months of my life. I mean, every chapter is new and beautiful and different. And I have so much gratitude for every single chapter, but that was one of my favorites. Because I just lived so freely and I learned so much so quickly because I had to. And that was when I began to relate to my body in a new way and begin to look at her and try to understand her in a way that felt aligned with me. And so much of my world had crashed down. Like I lost it. I lost a shit ton of friends. I had this near death experience. I went through a big trauma ended an emotionally abusive relationship that was happening inside of my house. So my parents were witnessing me in that relationship. Um, And so they watched me break. My sister watched me break um, and left this job. And then I was like, what, what, what's, what's the worst that can happen? And I began to cultivate a new relationship with myself in that moment. And when I just decided that it was my turn. And yeah, this experience for me, it changed everything because the version of me that went to Mexico in 2016 went for a resume, 100% transparency, transparency. I wanted to be in the medical field. I wanted to either be a nurse or a PA or a doctor. And I this was my gap year from college. And I had lived my entire life up until this point for my resume. Like I just wanted to be the best at everything that I did. I wanted to be the smartest. I wanted to have the most extracurricular activities. I wanted to be the most well-rounded. And I I wanted to speak Spanish. I wanted to look good on paper. And I never once thought about what would bring me the most joy in the moment. I never once thought about that until after this experience. And then after this experience, my entire life shifted into what brings me the most joy and what brings me healing? What brings me healing? Oh, and also right before I started traveling, I was diagnosed with hypothyroid 
ism and um or hypothyroid disorder and that because my hair started falling out i had the most anxiety and depression i've ever i depression isn't something that i've really moved through very often but in this chapter where my thyroid was untreated and undiagnosed um i was extremely depressed and extremely anxious and my hair started falling out and like my metabolism was just fucking all over the place and my heart rate wasn't wasn't okay um and i just felt unsafe in my body i was like what the fuck is going on and that was right before i broke up with my ex so which is interesting because the thyroid is connected to the throat chakra. The throat chakra is connected to your center of authentic expression and speaking your truth. And I always said, I never felt like I had a voice in that relationship. And I believe that nothing is coincidence. Um, and I learned a lot from that diagnosis, number one, and which by the way, I've never once had to up to, like up my dose of medication since I was diagnosed in 2016, um, which is wild. Um, so anywho, interesting shit. And I think that about sums it up. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry. It's dinner time. Uh, I've been putting this episode off for a really long time because it's hard for me to talk about and it's important. Um, we don't realize like how this is something I just totally wrote off in my life for so long because talking about traumas like this makes other people uncomfortable. And also this experience changed my fucking life. I would not be on my journey or my path towards integrative medicine without this. And also when I went, when like my soul left my body like that, I have spent the past eight years of my life trying to understand what I saw on the spiritual level because I had never seen anything like that in my life. So I've been trying to understand what's on the other side. It opened me up so fucking much. And a lot of people say that when you go through a near-death experience, you become more sensitive. And I will agree to that. But more than that, it's become a quest that I need to, that's like insatiable, a quest to understand the spiritual side of life that, because I saw it with my own two eyes and I can't unsee it. So it's more of this journey towards seeking the answers and the willingness to sit and be with all energies and entities and to know and truly believe with my whole heart that these things exist because I saw it. And yeah, it definitely made me more intuitively sensitive, but I've had to work really hard to cultivate these intuitive gifts that I am now so in touch with and that will continue to grow throughout the rest of my life. But the seed was planted when I was shown what a soul looks like to me. And when I was shown what it feels like to be so surrendered, 
on the soul level. And when I was shown what true peace feels like, and when I was shown what true, con true connection feels like, because I've never felt so connected to a soul as I did with my brother in that moment. And yeah, that moment, that glimpse, it opened me up to be the person I am today. And the person I am today has the gift of channeling angels. The person that I am today has the gift of connecting to my intuition on a level so deep I never thought I could understand. And the person I am today has the gift of sharing this magic with other beings and empowering them to get in touch with their own intuition because this is a journey I had to walk for myself first. And here I fucking am. I'm doing it. I'm accepting the path that the universe has offered me. I'm accepting the mission that the universe has planted inside of my heart. And I'm following through with it every fucking day, even when it's hard. And I can promise you it's been fucking hard as hell recently. It's been hard to keep going. I shared this in the last episode, but there's a part of me that just wanted to hide. And that part was really loud. And here I am showing up again with the biggest experience I've ever been through. And it's a blessing to be able to share. It's an honor. It's an honor that you would sit with me for this time, no matter how stuttery I got in my words, no matter how little sense I made at different parts of this episode, it is an honor. So thank you for being here. I love you so much. And I am going to wrap up this episode and this season of life lessons here and now in this moment so that I can continue to teach and share whatever is on my heart in the present moment. And of course, these life lessons will continue to show up and they will continue to come out and i love you so much have a beautiful rest of your day rest of your evening i'm sending you all of the love in the world thank you so much for being here if you have not taken the time to write a review on apple Podcasts, please please go over to apple Podcasts and write a rate and review me i would appreciate that with my whole heart also don't forget to subscribe to my youtube channel i am so blessed to be able to show up in that space that's like my fave these days um just like the podcast so i love you all with my whole heart reach out connect let me know if this resonated with you um and i hope you are in touch with all of the magic that you are and I hope these words brought you a little extra love and openness and expansion and vulnerability into your own life. 